Dr. Amalia Ganyus Malka, welcome to Womanity, Women in Unity, the show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us on the line today from Botswana is Dr. Stogomena Tax, who is the Executive Secretary of the Southern African Development Community, otherwise known as SADC. Dr. Tax is the sixth Executive Secretary and the first female Executive Secretary of SADC. And as the Executive Secretary, she has successfully led the revision of SADC's Regional Integration Strategic Development Plan, SADC's Industrialization Strategy and Roadmap from 2015 to 2063, the SADC Conflict Resolution and Mediation Process, and Democracy Consolidation Processes. Dr. Tax is originally from Tanzania. And on the academic side, she graduated in her Doctorate of Philosophy on International Developments and her Master's on Policy Management and Development Economics from the University of Tsukuba in Japan. She also holds a Bachelor of Commerce and a Diploma in Business Administration, which she attained from the University of Dar es Salaam. Welcome to the show, Dr. Tax. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. Earlier this year, in August, SADC hosted the 37th SADC Summit, which was themed partnering with the private sector in developing industry and regional value change. As we all know, industrial development is a core focus of SADC's developmental integration agenda to drive sustainable economic growth, to create employment, and also reduce poverty. Could you share with us a few of the highlights of this event? Mm. Okay, thank you. First of all, for the interest and for publicizing SADAC. I believe that uh, this interview is part of uh, publicity of SADAC. We thank you very much for that. Uh, indeed, uh, the summit which took place uh, in August 2017, which was held under the theme Partnering with the Private Sector in Developing Indus and Regional Value Chains, was a resounding success. And... Uh, in that regard, uh, we had a number of uh, milestones. First of all, let me begin by saying that this, the theme itself is in line with the current SADAC strategic focus, which is uh, to industrialize uh, SADAC economies. And uh, in that regard, uh, you know, SADAC industrialization is a broad agenda, and you cannot do everything at a time. The summit agreed uh, to focus on a few things. First, to operationalize. The theme itself by focusing on uh, agro-processing, mineral beneficiation, energy, pharmaceutical, but also creating a mechanism for private sector involvement because uh, you can try as much as possible, you can wish to industrialize, but if you don't have effective participation of private sector, that will remain uh, an aspiration, but which will be very difficult uh, to achieve. So I believe with uh, the involvement and the coming up with an effective mechanism to involve a private sector, we'll be able to expedite our industrialization uh, agenda. And in doing so, obviously, the intention is to make sure that uh, we beneficiate, we add value, but also we address the supply side constraints and also we are able to trade equitably because that was uh, why the industrialization drive came in, and then uh, in doing so, create uh, jobs for especially youth and women, and uh, create wealth for the region. Mm. 
But on a different front as well, you know, peace and security is very critical. The summit has received progress in the peace and the political environment in the region. And they committed, as usual, you know, peace and security for us as a region is a priority and committed to continue addressing emerging issues and to make sure that we have a peaceful, we continue having a peaceful region as we have always been proud of. And then maybe another thing which is worth sharing, again on a different front, is uh, the, the, the summit also um, um, considered uh, the, the threat of um, HIV, AIDS, and um, cybercrime, and it was agreed that uh, we need uh, to put up a regional strategy to address the abuse of drug uh, as one of uh, the major challenges. And then uh, maybe to lastly, there are many achievements. Lastly is that also we saw the inclusion of one member to our region, which is the Comoros. One may say, what is it in numbers? It's not about numbers. We cooperate to make sure that uh, we, uh, we strengthen our cooperation, but also we expand our market. So we, with an additional member, is, uh, we are expanding our market for the region. Those were the highlights, which I can quickly think of. It sounds like tremendous progress was made. There's been a lot of focus on the industrialization aspect. You mentioned agro-processing, mineral beneficiation, energy and pharmaceuticals as being core target areas for industrialization, but also importantly, how to get that involvement through from the private sector. What type of mechanisms are in place now to to get that involvement and to really develop a, a tighter partnership? This is what we are developing now. Private sector has been our partner. We have a number of uh, memorandum of understanding with a number of, with a few private sector organizations. But uh, what we have agreed now, we need to have a, co- a coherent approach. And within the industrialization strategy itself, as part of the uh, institutional mechanism, there is a recognition of a uh, private sector forum. And this is now... Yes, it is there, but how is that going to work? How is it going to function? Who should who should go? To, who is going to be part of it? How is it going to relate the private sector relate to the public sector and other partners? That is what we are developing, and hopefully by March we'll have a draft. As we speak this morning, I was with Minister Davis, Minister of Trade of South Africa, and he's capacity as the chairperson of the industrialization cluster. And among other things, we have agreed that we need to expedite the finalization of this mechanism. So the details now are the ones which are being worked on. Thanks for sharing. Dr. Tax, you are currently the Executive Secretary of SADC. Can you share with us a bit of the detail in terms of the work that you do as well as the responsibilities that are attached to this position? Yes, indeed. I'm currently the Executive Secretary of SADC. Let me begin by saying that uh, the SADC Secretariat is a principle according to the treaty, establishing the Southern Africa Development Community. The SADC Secretariat is the principal executive institution of SADC. And uh, we are responsible for, I'm talking about the organization, we are responsible for, among others, strategic planning and management of SADC uh, programs, the implementation of summit and council decisions, the representation and the promotion of SADAC in a broad perspective. Now, my duty as the Executive Secretary of SADAC is to lead 
the Secretariat in discharging these uh, responsibilities. So what do I do exactly is that to make sure that uh, you, you enable the team to come up with a strategic direction and that strategic direction has to be presented to member states to be agreed upon. I'll give an example of the industrialization which started in 2013. That's when I joined the organization. So the member states have to decide, but they have to decide based on analytical piece of work. Also, we deal with a number of um, cooperating partners, both private sector but also international and regional bodies. We have to promote, I have also to, to lead in terms of how do we want to promote. Yes, I'll be supported by my team, but I have to provide that uh, leadership. That is uh, my duty as the Executive Secretary of uh, SADAC. And in this current term of office, are there any specific milestones that you want to accomplish? <laughs> Every individual, when you are in a job, eh, you would wish to see some achievement, isn't it? Of course. And, the and especially in a job like yours, which is custodianship <laughs> of our Southern African development community. Yes, indeed, they are milestones. But the good thing about uh, SADAC is an organization which has been there for a number of years. So the vision is known. The mission of SADAC is known. The objectives are known. Even uh, the, the approach we have taken is a de- developmental approach in terms of uh, regional integration. The stages of integration are known. So my desire and um, my wish is uh, to see that uh, SADAC uh, integration is deepened. What do I mean by deepening regional integration and maybe what have I done so far? What have we done so far as an organization? Because it's not me as an individual. When I joined the organization, that was in September 2013, there was one major activity which was being undertaken by then. That was uh, the review of our revised regional indicative strategic development plan. And uh, in line with uh, the need to deepen socioeconomic um, integration agendas, as I said, there was a recognition that we need to front road industrialization. And immediately what we did now, we prepared the industrialization strategy, which was approved six months after that. So that is the direction and that is uh, my aspiration, that indeed we need to accelerate socioeconomic integration. And uh, the path now is uh, through industrialization. We have done a lot so far. Within uh, a period of uh, three years since uh, the industrialization strategy was approved, you cannot uh, implement uh, the strategy without an operational plan. The operational plan is in place, but also we have now identified and profiled a few value chains, which I have already mentioned in agro-processing, in pharmaceutical, but also in um, the mineral sector. So the next step now, which uh, we'll be focusing on during this year, and uh, which are in line with uh, the the theme, is uh, to get investors to invest in these uh, specific value chains. So my desire, in short, is uh, to see deepened socioeconomic integration, but also supported by a peaceful and a stable political environment. I think it's a, a very noble objective and one which would see great economic sustainability across the continent, uh, develop more intra-regional trade and get unity between state and private sector to achieve this. Hmm. Dr. Tax, 
Earlier you were talking about some of your duties and remarking that part of your role is leadership. I consider female leadership to be vital in terms of helping to develop women, to capacitate them further and to demonstrate visibly to both men and women that females are capable, competent leaders. As a female leader, in your perspective, how do you see female leadership on the continent? I see female leaders in the continent as a very critical partner to development because uh, you need to be part of the process for you to be able to contribute to development in the process. Now, when you talk of uh, how do I see them, I see females as uh, capable leaders like anybody else. I always um, say this, and maybe sometimes people do not understand me. Normally, when it comes to work, when it comes to leadership, I don't consider myself as a female. I consider myself as a human being. And considering myself as a human being, and this is what I feel that uh, all the women, they feel the same, we believe that we are capable like any other person. We have all it takes, and we deserve to be accorded a chance to lead, but also to be part of uh, the socio-economic development processes. The question wasn't very clear. Maybe if you can be specific in terms of uh, what you expected to hear from me on that, uh, in that regard. You've answered it from your perspective in terms of your role as a leader, not as a female leader, but as a leader. These are the qualities that leadership is irrespective of gender. You've got your mission, and that's what it is required to achieve. But the angle that I was also looking at was the fact that we don't have enough women in leadership, in levels of uh, seniority. And one of the aspects that literature talks about is that if we have got women in positions of leadership, that it helps to mentor, to serve as role modeling for other young women so that they can understand that these positions can be held by women, that women can perform leadership roles. So my, my question here is really about trying to see what your perspective is in general of women in leadership on the continent and how you see us, what, what trajectory we're taking. Being a leader as a female, you need, uh, first of all and foremost, you need, uh, we need to be recognized as female leaders that uh, indeed we, are, we have the capacity but for that to take place, maybe uh, we need to take it from, to look at it from different perspectives and different levels. For a, a girl, what happens in our society or in our economy, the, the girls or female are not given equal opportunities. And if we really indeed we want, apart from the legislations which we are trying to review, apart from the quota systems, apart from affirmative action, we need to empower a girl child right from the beginning. You need to make sure that a girl child gets uh, equal access to education. A girl child is uh, also accorded opportunity uh, in the African context. It's not that uh, a girl child is the one who is seen, that uh, when you're back from school, you are the one who should be doing everything at home, and uh, your counterpart means a boy child is um, given an opportunity to study. So equal, equal opportunity in terms of uh, uh, studies, equal opportunities in terms of uh, not being discriminated, equal opportunities in terms of uh, being seen that uh, you have the capacity, those are very important and critical elements if indeed we have to develop female leaders in a sustainable manner. So in a nutshell, it's about girls 
having equal access to opportunities and not being discriminated against and having the rest of society understand and allow them to take advantage of those opportunities. Exactly. Today we're talking to Dr. Stergoman Tax, who is the Executive Secretary of the Southern African Development Community. Hi, this is Lira, South African Afro-Soul singer and songwriter. You're listening to Womanity, Women in Unity, presented by Dr. Amelia Malka on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance, a program that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggle for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, and democracy. You are listening to Womanity, Women in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective on frequency 9625 kHz on the 31-meter band, also available on DSTV Channel 802. Today we're talking to Dr. Stogomena Tax, who is the Executive Secretary of the Southern African Development Community. We would love to receive your comments on Twitter at Womanity Talk. In the previous segment of the show, Dr. Tax shared some of the outcomes at the 37th SADC Summit, which was themed partnering with the private sector in developing industry and regional value chains. We also spoke about some of the responsibilities in her position, and we touched on female leadership, particularly from an African uh, context. Dr. Tax, staying with the theme of women leadership and gender, I have to say I've always been very proud of being an African in terms of what women have achieved from a parliamentary perspective. And what I mean by this is that in the latest interparliamentary union statistics, South Africa ranks ninth in the world, followed by Namibia and Mozambique. But Rwanda leads the world in terms of female representation. Yet so-called first world countries like the UK holds 39th position. The USA is 98th. And it always makes me wonder how these first world countries could be in the state in terms of low female representation. So given your experience within the political space, what's your opinion of this? That appears uh, very straightforward. We need uh, to appreciate. Self-appreciation is very critical. In certain cases, uh, we tend to believe that uh, the developed world, they are advanced in each and everything. What is missing, we need uh, to appreciate ourselves. We also need uh, to speak loud. We need to showcase uh, our achievements, what we have achieved, the realities in our countries. And if we don't do that, no one is going to do that on our behalf. So in, um, in a nutshell, what I, what I can say is that let us promote our continent, let us promote our region and our countries, and let us showcase our strengths, and let us uh, celebrate our achievements and the M even higher. Thanks for sharing your experiences there. Staying on the theme of gender equality, we know that SADC has developed the gender protocol and has also identified key priority areas for gender and development with a view to accelerate progress in us attaining gender equality as well as women's empowerment that include a few items uh, which I'll list, gender mainstreaming, women in politics and decision-making, gender-based violence, women economic empowerment program, and the SADC Gender and Development Monitor. Can you share a few of the highlights from these priority areas? 
Thank you once again, and that is a really indeed a full-loaded uh, question. I'll try. And starting with uh, gender mainstreaming, I'll just uh, try also to share the achievement, but also what we are doing in terms of policy and legislation, and what is the what it entails in uh, the, the implementation of uh, our protocol on gender development. In line with the SADAC protocol on gender and development, uh, SADAC member states have uh, resolved to empower women, as you're aware, and to eliminate uh, discrimination and to achieve gender equality. How do we do that? Through the development and the implementation of gender-responsive legislation, policies, programs, and projects. In view of uh, this aspiration or objective, SADAC legislation and policies are engendered, as uh, you might be aware. Uh, yes, we have engendered our policy and we keep on uh, reviewing our legislation, but how do we ensure that that is happening? We have currently uh, developed planning and budgeting guidelines, and uh, which are now guide member states while planning and the budgeting to make sure that uh, gender issues are also part of the plan and budget. Because if you don't do that, even with uh, the legal instrument and the policy, you may find yourself that uh, nothing is happening on the ground. The budgeting guideline and planning guidelines were approved last year, and we are now busy trying to see to what extent this uh, financial year we have included an activity to see to what extent have we engendered our policy, but also if that is the case, what is happening on the ground. So that is uh, the first part in terms of uh, gender mainstreaming by ensuring that we have gender-responsive policy, but also we have tools to make sure that uh, we facilitate that. In terms of women in politics and decision-making, you are aware that uh, our target is uh, the 50-50 parity. And um, yes, indeed, we are making uh, good progress in that regard by women representation in uh, politics, but also at political and decision-making position at various levels of uh, governance, legislature in in the executive and the judiciary. But uh, uh, honestly, we have not reached uh, the 50-50 but uh, performance is also encouraging with a mixed trend. For elected position, it is only a few countries such as Angola, Mozambique, Namibia, Seychelles, and South Africa and Tanzania that have a sustained uh, a steady path toward gender equality. Uh, nonetheless, the overall uh, trend or situation is that there's an improvement in a number of proportion of women representation in political decision-making and in the management of the public service. We have a number of directors. We have a number of permanent secretaries, director generals, and a number of initiatives are taking place to make sure that we sustain that one. Globally, we'll rank the third, as you know, in permanent representation after Nordic countries and America. And we are also exploring ways of, uh, of, uh, of assessing the situation in the private sector. But uh, yes, it is a mixed picture. But uh, it is also heartening to note that uh, even in cases where we had made a tremendous progress, recently we are seeing now we are also regressing. So it's an area of concern which we need uh, collectively to sit down and reflect what is happening and why it's happening. Which areas do you see regression in? Um, regression for in terms of, um, we have three pillars. We have the judiciary, we have uh, legislature and the executive. At leadership at the executive, that is where we are seeing regression. 
In Parliament, the, the situation may be different because of the different situation which have been put in place, which enables uh, affirmative action. And part of that also includes the the, the party's own um, legislation, where many have got quota systems in place, which helps uh, women in, in terms of representation. Exactly. When you have systems in which facilitate uh, women representation, that is helping. But in the executive, you don't have such uh, such systems. It is depends on uh, the appointments. It, it depends on uh, the recruitment processes. Yes, at director levels, maybe it is happening. But when you go at uh, higher levels, like the director generals, the permanent secretaries, you see the trend is now going backwards. Mm. The question is, why is that happening? It's a, it's a recent phenomenon, which as SADAC now, we want to sit down and assess why is that happening. But overall, in terms of uh, women and police decision-making, it's not a discouraging situation, but in, in, this is a process, it's not an event. Sure. So you, you may move forward and you may find that you're moving backward, but immediately you have to assess what is happening and what should be done, and this is exactly what we are doing now. And that goes back to the importance where you mentioned earlier with gender mainstreaming, that we've got instruments in place which measure the progress or the outcomes. Uh, yes, and among those uh, instruments we have uh, the um, gender monitor, yes. which is an instrument with a speci- specific targets. We, every, after every three years, we undertake that, uh, uh, that assessment, and it also helps a lot because you can tell from the different perspective what is going on and immediately you sit down and you agree as a region that indeed we are making progress here, we are not making progress here, and this is what we need to do. And we agree, we agree collectively as a region. So that is also an instrument which has been very, very useful in the region. In terms of gender-based violence, you also uh, mentioned that as uh, one of uh, the priority areas. Indeed, that is a, it's an area of uh, concern. It's not just a priority area, it's an area of concern. It is now globally an issue, an issue where you have uh, violence against uh, gender. And uh, it's, uh, it's, it's new in terms of uh, coming up with initiatives, though it is not new, instead in terms of being there, we are now preparing a strategy, and the purpose is to have a common platform as SADC at country but also at regional levels for an effective approach of addressing gender-based violence. Yes, law related to gender-based violence and provision and facilities for victims are there, and we have been having awareness uh, creation program, but uh, still a lot need to be done. And uh, the strategy we, meet, we believe that is going to come up with a more structured and effective and a systematic way of addressing gender-based violence. There were a number of uh, priorities which you mentioned. One which is always really important to me is women's economic empowerment. Because I think that once you've got economic empowerment, it gives you freedom, it gives you the independence. So if you could give us a couple of highlights with respect to those programs. For women economic empowerment, I fully agree with you, and I cannot agree with you more that that is very important because this is key to emancipation of uh, women and uh, youth. And when I'm, I'm, I'm bringing the youth element looking at the young women, and the women economic empowerment, again, entails the process through which women and youth, especially young women, access to capital 
and um, both human and financial as well as physical endowment, access to benefit and economic opportunity. Uh, such initiatives should be there to make sure that we increase such opportunities. And economic empowerment is a prerequisite for sustainable development, which requires sound policies, but also you need a, a holistic approach, but also it has to be long-term. You cannot empower women in just a one year's time or in five years' time. It has to be an approach which is uh, progressive. And uh, this is part of uh, the targets which we have in our protocol on gender development. We have targets to ensure that we are empowering women. How do we do that now? The targets are embedded in the monitoring and evaluation framework which was developed uh, last year, and we keep on monitoring. But all in all, you need to have a, at regional level, you'll have a framework. But when it comes to implementation and realization of this target, this has to be done by member state to make sure that in each and every policy, if you have a trade policy, make sure that you include elements that are going, that will facilitate empowerment of women. I can give an example of how can that be done. You can use the procurement policy, that is a part of uh, the trade policy, and you make sure that uh, within the procurement policy you have a dedicated uh, policy objective to empower women. You say that uh, you dedicate certain segment and say, okay, for these uh, areas we also want to see that uh, women, um, business, business on women, they get access to this economic opportunity, just an, as an example, but you need to have a initiative in each and every policy that are geared toward empowering women economically. And I think it's very important that those initiatives are articulated clearly. So this is the, the policy as overall guidance, but everything has to be actioned on the ground within those member states. That, uh, that is indeed that is the case. And uh, as I've said, that you can have regional frameworks, but now when it comes to details and when it comes to implementation, Different member states will come with different mm-hmm. initiatives, but which are geared to ensuring that indeed in uh, our policies, in our strategies, in our plans, we are also, we recognize uh, the importance of empowering women, and this is as a specific or dedicated initiative that will ensure that we are indeed empowering women. Dr. Tax, turning more towards a personal perspective, one of the questions that I ask all my guests on the show who've made tremendous achievements in their respective fields of expertise is about the factors that have contributed to their success. Some people speak about hard work. Some talk about a particular person that assisted them. In your opinion, what have been some of the key drivers to your success? Uh, <laughs> Key drivers uh, to my success, I may say, is one, and uh, this is uh, people. People. Yes. I know you're going to ask, what do you mean by that? Of course. <laughs> it's people in the sense that uh, you, can, uh, you can succeed or you can fail depending on uh, how you utilize uh, the human resource around you. So people is very critical for me that uh, you need to value the team you work with and uh, you also need to understand the different uh, dimension of the team, and then uh, this will enable you to, 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 to prosper. But my values may be different from um, the normal, the conventional one, the hard work, as you have said. To me, is integrity as well. 
because it's the way, the way you conduct yourself and it's the way you instill integrity in your team which will enable you to succeed because uh, you, can, uh, you can be given a small responsibility with little resources, but if you don't manage that responsibility with integrity and uh, you don't see values of integrity in your team, you are bound to fail. But talking of people, and maybe that is uh, the most uh, important part for me, what made me to be what I am today is my mother. And uh, I will always uh, cherish her because uh, she's the one who imparted the values which I have in terms of passion to work, in terms of um, appreciating humanity, and she will remain my, my most strongest person in my, my, in my life. She has been my role model. She will continue being my, ro- my role model. May God rest her soul in peace. Because she grew me and encouraged me throughout my life at various stages as a child, you, as um, a teenager, as an adult, as a married woman, even as an employee. And uh, she instilled uh, confidence. She modeled me to, be, to do the right, the right thing, as I've indicated, with her passion and humanity. And this is because my, my father left when I was about only five years. So single-handedly, she groomed us by being strict when required, and being fair when needed, being a friend, encouraging, accommodating when needed. So my mother has been my role model. And uh, whenever I look at any, any leader or any woman, I see my mother in that person. She sounds like she was a very special lady. Indeed, she was, not because she was my mother. <laughs> <laughs> and Dr. Taxi. Whilst we're talking about family and shaping your life, could you tell us about some of the pivotal moments in your life growing up which you consider have contributed to making you the person you are today? Uh, maybe even before going to that, eh? because uh, they could, they were just adding to the previous question, also I would, uh, I would uh, have been, I'm indebted or, I should say I have also been lucky that I have worked with a number of people who have contributed great who have contributed greater greatly in shaping up my professionalism. I was uh, I'm very thankful to my government, the government of the United Republic of Tanzania, for having groomed me since I joined uh, the public service. That was in early it was in 90, late eighties. And I would like to recognize maybe, there are many, but I would like to recognize the two leaders who also shaped my, my, my career. My former president, the president of the United Republic of Tanzania, His Excellency Yakaya Kikwete. He is the one who appointed me in various uh, positions, uh, leadership positions. And uh, the system, including himself, never gave up on us, even though we were starters. And he's the one who even recommended me for the position I hold now. I equally indebted or thankful to the current president of the United Republic of Tanzania, President Magufuli, because equally he also um, trusted me and recommended for my extension. But more than that, being a regional leader now, I'm very appreciative and I thank all heads of states and ministers 
partners in the private sector, international cooperating partners, first for the trust but also for the support they have given me. Now going back to the question on uh, water inspired me um, as a child, water the moment which I remember, is the, the answer will be the, it will be the same, it's my mother because my mother has been very inspirational, as I've indicated, single-handedly, bringing up her children and uh, treating us equally. But also for her, what was very important was two things. First is education, but also all the time a reminder that you need to be a humble person. I can see from childhood being reminded, being a humble person, that uh, shaped me a lot. So the moments I remember in my life is that from a child, uh, we had time for education, we had time for house calls, we have time to playing time, but also worship was very important. So it is a combination of life skills from work, social, and the worship. This is what uh, I remember, and I think this has been part of me from childhood to where I am today. Those sound like really strong value systems. You've mentioned integrity. You've mentioned the life skills of community, worship, and family as being strong influences. Now, lastly, Dr. Tex, we are coming to the end of the show. Can I please ask you to share a few words of inspiration which you would like to pass on to women in Africa who are listening to us? Oh, thank you so much. Um, just uh, a few. What I would like to say to all women is this. You have all it takes as a woman. What you need to do is just believe in yourself and prepare well for whatever you want to do and go for it. Do it well and they demonstrate that women are capable to deliver and they deserve to be given opportunities. Thank you very much. Thank you for the interview and for the opportunity to, uh, to exchange uh, with uh, SADAC. And I believe uh, the, this is the beginning. We'll have more such uh, interactions which will help uh, not only women, but uh, SADAC uh, citizens to understand maybe next time we can focus on what we have been doing, what are the achievements, what are the projects, and uh, enable SADAC citizens to understand their region even better. I think that's an excellent idea. I look forward to future conversations where you can share that progress. You have been listening to Womanity, Woman in Unity on Channel Africa, The African Perspective. And we have been talking to Dr. Stogomena Tax, the Executive Secretary of the Southern African Development Community. Music